Welcome back, pod people. In today's episode, my guest is Rico Dulcimer, a local filmmaker from right here in Pueblo, Colorado, who will hopefully be the first of many local filmmakers that I get to interview. Uh, Rico has a uh, popular YouTube channel where he posts videos that he makes and as well has participated in the uh, Wake Up Pueblo Film Festival where he made a 72-hour film, Dawn of the Friend. Uh, welcome to the show, Rico. Uh, you sent me two videos that you were particularly proud of. Uh, one of them is Dawn of the Friend, which I'm definitely going to get into quite a bit. Uh, and the other one is a uh, machinima, um, uh, which is a method of doing uh, computer animation that I've never spoken with uh, somebody who's actually done animation uh, in any style for this show um much less doing it in this particular very modern form so tell us a little about uh how you came up with the idea for smash ultimate the gift of giving and how you went about actually you know recording and filming it so my friend matt he's the one that like voiced a lot of the characters like he voiced like king ddd and bowser and pretty much every main character that spoke um I don't know if you remember what Miiverse was, but it was a social media platform on the Wii U. And it was a cesspool because it was just a bunch of kids <laughs> that didn't have like any parental supervision at all. And they just could post whatever, pretty much. <laughs> and he posted a picture of Bowser, because uh, in Smash Brothers, when he does his down special, that's when he like uh, does that sit attack. Um, yeah. I can't remember what it's called specifically, but he did that on a chimney and he drew a little Santa hat on him and he said, uh, you're getting shit for Christmas. <laughs> and uh, that's genuinely what sparked that idea is I just really wanted, I've always wanted to make that, but I just felt like I never had the tools for it. And so the crazy thing is, is I, so what I did to make everything happen was I emulated Super Smash Brothers. Uh, like, so I, yeah, so I just emulated it on my computer um via switch emulator and it runs perfectly fine it runs like i'm playing this like just a switch it runs completely fine and through that i'm able to mod it and because of that i was able to get a mod that allows me to uh there's a camera mode when you pause the game and it allowed me to go in and out of the free cam or it just allowed me to extend the free cam sorry more than the game normally lets you so you could go anywhere in any position you want you could spin around the characters without any restrictions or anything like that so that's pretty much all i did i got that and then i got a mod that uh it replaced one of the stages i think it was dreamland with a green screen and i just did a bunch and i'm talking like when i was done with everything even though it was such a short video it was like 500 no it wasn't it was like 200 gigabytes of just me getting green screen footage of characters doing repetitive motions over and over and over again <laughs> and then i just had to do the same thing i had to go out of bounds in a lot of the stages in the game like in town and city that's where the first area is uh where they're all having the little meet and greet and whatever so i had to go in town and city and get a bunch of shots of this of like just the little area and made it i had to make the characters work and the different uh scenes i had in mind um and then i just had a chrome i had a chroma key so many things and um there's even like there's one little mistake in the intro i noticed but it's very <laughs> hard to notice there like my mouse cursor is over one of the characters but you can't even really notice it because there's so many of them but i didn't notice that till like i was but like finished finished with it 
Oh. But, but yeah, so I just, I love machinimas and that's a, that is a art form of, I guess, online media that is kind of faded away that I just really wish would come back. And there are some people that are definitely uh, keeping it going in their own kind of way, but that's something I really want to do is keep that portion of video making alive on the internet because I love machinimas and I love making uh, like videos about video games and doing uh, more with video games than what you would necessarily do. Like instead of just talking in front of the camera, I love getting in there and then getting a character that represents you and then speaking through that character. And I just, yeah, it took me, that was like the longest five minutes of my life though. That took me a long time <laughs> to make that video. Yeah, that's really interesting. So uh, I, I, in retrospect, it's obvious, but I wouldn't have guessed uh, beforehand that you had to use a chroma key techniques to change up the backgrounds and things like that. It reminds me a little of um, the movie Kubo and the Two Strings. Have you seen that one? That sounds familiar, but I don't think I've seen it. Um, it's a modern stop motion film that also makes a, a little bit of use of CGI, mostly to like remove elements from the scene, um, and also makes a great deal of use of green screens and, and blue screens and stuff like that, chroma keying out um, a background and putting in uh, uh, something else that they made. And I remember watching the movie and thinking like, wow, they're doing stuff that I did not know you could do with stop motion animation like this. Yeah. And, then I watched, and then I watched a making of, and I was like, oh, now yeah. I see, very clever. And so when I was watching your short, I was like, I didn't know you could, like, I don't know how people maneuver, like, are you doing this in Blender or, uh, but no, that's doing it in an emulation and then green screening out backgrounds and stuff. That's really clever. Yeah, it's a, it just took a fat, like a morbidly obese minute, if you would, to do. It took a very long time. <laughs> and like, man, it was it was super fun to make, though. And I edited, I did everything by myself, too. And I edited everything. And I did the Chroma King stuff, too, for the part where um, Bowser, like a, well, a, a crate is coming towards him. And he swerves off the road and he crushes all those kids. Um, I had to go into Gary's mod and then Chroma like find a Bowser model and shove him in a car. <laughs> and then I had to chroma key him out like that. There was a lot of masking that went into it too, though. Um, like everything that is going on in that, I just did totally by myself. And I only did it in Sony Vegas too, because I hate myself or it's magic Vegas, <laughs> Vegas now, but. All right. Um, well, the, the end result uh, was worth all of that effort. Um, and I believe that one is publicly listed on YouTube, so people can go look that up. Yeah. But this next one we're going to talk about is not. I'm curious why it isn't. Uh, this is Dawn of the Friend, which is a 72-hour film that you made for uh, the Wake Up Pueblo Film Fest. And that's a 72-hour uh, a film, for people who aren't familiar with the format, is... Uh, and correct me if I'm getting any of the, the details here wrong. Yeah, for sure. Um, you sign up as a team to make a movie and you get told some specific requirements that the movie needs to meet. And then from the minute that you get told that, you have 72 hours to write, record, and edit the film. Uh, and then uh, once the 72 hours is up, you have to stop working on it. And the result is that a of, of what you made is a six and a half minute long 
really fun sort of comedy horror uh, zombie movie. Um, did I get the structure right for the 72 hour film festival? Yeah, that's the, that's the gist of it. Like, I guess the, the specifics are just, um, everyone had to share the same line, but then everything else was random. Ah. Yeah, but oh, it was the same line. I believe it was the same line prop and character. And the character was a con artist uh, for this, uh, for, for the film that we had to okay. do. And yeah, it's, but I think that I believe the genre and there's one other specification, but I can't remember what it is. Those are the two random things. But generally, everyone just kind of does whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> the genre. They just have to make it work with uh, the the uh, limitations you're given. Yeah. And as they say, restrictions breed creativity. And you certainly uh, put a lot of creativity into this video. Um, I noticed that on this, uh, you're you portray one of the main characters and yeah. so were you also the director of it or oh man i did <laughs> um yeah because i was the director the script writer the editor um i guess the producer if you want to call, <laughs> call it that um and then yeah so i i just and then an actor so i was doing just a little bit of everything honestly and um, I usually most of my skills are behind editing and the camera. So a lot of what I had to do was I would grab my friends that had no idea on like what how to get shots that I wanted. So I would <laughs> do the shot for them and I would just tell them just don't move like just hold it like this and just don't move at all. <laughs> and I just keep doing that. And um, but I don't know. That's the thing though. Isn't doing that. I honestly did kind of they started picking up more on what i was trying to get for the look of things so they like actually did get better uh, as videographers as the the days went on nice uh yeah one of the things i noticed is most of the people that i interview are primarily behind the camera with yeah. occasionally being in front of the camera and so that's why it surprised me when i saw you in front of the camera here i would have assumed you would have been doing all the camera work yourself um Another thing that really jumped out at me about this movie is the pace of the editing that a lot of, especially movies that are made under such a strict time crunch as this, will frequently have like long shots uh, that are perhaps like locked off because maybe there's nobody behind the camera. Yeah. Um, but this was uh, not quite like frenetic, but very, like it had the the, each cut only lasted a few seconds, typically, um, yeah. the, way, the way that it would in, like, you know, a, a full-length motion picture, typically. And so, uh, how much of that was your personal style? How much of that was you working within the restrictions that you had based on, like you said, less experienced people behind the cameras, and therefore you had to do a sort of Star Wars, A New Hope, save it in editing kind of situation? Yeah. Um, and yeah, t t tell me a bit about your editing style with this. Uh, so it it was definitely just me, man. I I don't know. I've been editing, <laughs> so I've been editing for five years. All um, right. Yeah. So three of those years are self taught, and then uh, or I, I would say, yeah, three are self taught, and then the rest up till now, uh, has had I've had schooling, but def the schooling definitely has only helped me a little bit, to be honest with you. A lot of the stuff I just kind of already knew from teaching myself. 
Um, so I don't, I, it's hard to explain things like that because when I'm editing, I just kind of know, um, it, it's like, I'm kind of counting in my head. I go, okay. I look at the frame rate or the, the frames and I go, okay, after it hits this frame, it's like, that's perfect. My brain just goes, okay, i cut it off there. Don't make it any longer than that specific frame. <laughs> and, um, there's just, I, I can't really explain it for the pacing too much unfortunately like i'm trying to think of how to word it i guess it's just it's just a feeling thing you know you just kind of feel that you don't want this to go too long or for instance i'm thinking of the uh, part of the as an example when it's my friend quentin and he's knocking on the door and i'm like dude you gotta come inside and it's cutting between us um i knew not to hold too long on either of us at all i knew just to keep splicing between the shots that we had and getting the different reactions while we were talking and just making sure that it was all spliced together really well yeah and, uh, yeah i know i don't know i just it's very it's a, it is a hard th even with the uh the smash brothers thing too um uh i just generally try to keep pacing more fast because i just don't want to lose people's attentions so everything just has to kind of keep going or it has to hit a certain beat and then after that beats over just move move to the next thing yeah i wonder how much of that might be affected by growing up i'm gonna guess on youtube in large yeah. part and youtube is since it's so easy to just click away to some other video yeah, people yeah. really have to constantly be grabbing your attention and so youtube often ends up with a very sort of frenetic uh fast-paced editing style even when it doesn't fit the subject matter uh, but here you did a, a like it did feel appropriate it didn't feel like doing the constant cuts yeah. to zooming in and out sort of thing that people will do on youtube oh yeah because well that's that's another thing too is um i just i have certain pet peeves like even even though i am a youtuber i hate when people just zoom in to themselves and they zoom back out and they just do like I call it like, I don't know. I call it like ADHD editing or ADD <laughs> editing. It's just too much. And don't get me wrong. I think personally chaotic editing can be the most funniest shit in the world to me. And like chaotic things are extremely funny to me. I think like one of the funniest things um, I've ever seen is there's a video on a YouTube and it's just straight up called guy fights fridge. I can't remember like the full video. It's just a drunk dude. And he, fights his fridge and he somehow loses and it's so loud <laughs> it's like the funniest thing ever to me so um i guess a lot of that does transition over to filmmaking because this is like the first film i've ever made or like the actual you know film film like you call it a film kind of thing i've ever made and i guess that goes first over. narrative film yeah yeah so this is the first uh i or i guess a lot of a lot of the stuff that I've learned from YouTube does transfer over ball. And that's just because um, I want to keep people's attention, but in the, you know, since I have all these pet peeves and certain things I don't like, it keeps it a lot more tame despite the editing being very fast paced, I guess, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. Um, I think that the fast paced YouTube editing can work well when it's really leaned into and used as the structure for jokes like in YouTube poops. Yeah, yeah. But when it's just sort of like, a, oh God, I need to keep the audience's attention while I give a boring monologue, so I'll zoom in and out, uh, then then it's not really engaging. Um, 
So you mentioned that um, you've been editing for five years and been in, in taking film classes uh, for two of those years. Um, for other people who are aspiring filmmakers, uh, I'm curious what lessons you like wish you knew when you were first starting out that you know now, so you could pass on some wisdom. Yeah, let me, well, let me think about that. Cause the thing is I've never taken a film class. Every class I've taken has only been about the technical side of everything. Ah. So just how to, uh, you know, set up, uh, set up a production, how to be a gaffer, uh, how to help work cameras. Um, and then just editing, uh, for like marketing agencies or just doing like uh, bumps and things like that for people that need them for shows. Um, I did that for, uh, there was a, uh, an MMA show or MMA fight that happened last, it was like two years ago, I believe. And, uh, I made just a little bumper for them that had all the sponsors and then a little backdrop and stuff like that. So, um, I guess one of, hmm, I, I guess the, the biggest thing I wish I learned right away was there's, there's a lot of things actually, I think learning how to properly keyframe. That's like one of the biggest things uh, that I wish I knew right away. Cause I remember when I first tried to edit, it was, I was so flabbergasted with how to work keyframes and how to get them to properly follow things. Because that's like a big thing I do on my channel is like, I make subtitles follow things because that also helps with engagement. And I don't know, it just makes the video more fun when you just have text, like, following a character that's talking and stuff like that. I've always loved that. Um, so just learning a lot of basic things is just generally what I wish I learned right away. So just learning how to, uh, let me think, learning how to split, how to do, um, uh, oh my God, I can't remember. I can't remember the name of it. It's when you cut something and then it, like when you delete the end of a track and then everything else like just pops in front of it. I can't remember what that's called right now. Um, and then just general masking, basic skills like chroma keying, and then just learning the commands on your keyboard and um, just learning like what is what exactly is going on with the software first and foremost. Because even though um, I'm self-taught, I there's a lot of things I'm still learning uh, with my software. And there are just, I, I don't know, I'm just, for instance, there's this, I can't even explain it. There's this thing that happens where if I drag a timeline and then I click too long, like I click and drag it up, then it shows me this window that shows the track under it and then the track like to the left of it. Like I can't explain <laughs> what that is. And every time I try to look it up, I'm so confused. But just learning like very basic things uh, helps out just in general. Um, and actually I had a fan once they were, they were like, you know, I want to edit like you, but I have no idea how. So they just gave me, um, they gave me like a hundred bucks. And then, so for a week I was just like helping them out, um, with editing and they are, they were like very quickly learning what took me about, I want to say when I initially started editing, it took me like a month to get to where he was at and he was already like very ahead of, um, he was very ahead of things. So nice. I guess that, that's just basically it. Just, just learning your basic skills. And then um, I guess the biggest tip I can give, because a lot of people don't do this enough, is if you are having a problem uh, with the software or if you're very confused about something, even if it sounds 
like the most um uneducated way to explain what's going on feel no shame because google does not judge <laughs> and you can probably find a search result or somebody that is talking about exactly what you're talking about and then it'll help you out oh i remembered what it's called ripple ripple deleting is that that's when you um you prep yeah. for in vegas you hit like alt bracket and then that uh deletes everything that's at the end of a track and then it just moves everything to the end of it and stuff like that like just really basic stuff like that goes a long way all right yeah mastering the basics oh, early on does then, seem like a useful idea i remember there's one more thing and this is the biggest thing is learning how to work with nesting and parent children or making a parent child i had no idea how to do this for so long so when i wanted to make like two layers that were on top of each other move around in one i would do the most hard difficult thing and i would keyframe them both to move together at the same time instead of having just one track that was moving both of the layers around at once and it was oh my god even thinking about it that's shit that shit's so stressful to think about like me doing <laughs> that but yeah just learning basics pretty much and then just going from there <laughs> yeah um that makes sense so dawn of the friend was your first narrative film yeah uh, and uh you mentioned earlier before we were started the interview that you're interested in moving into documentary filmmaking are you planning on continuing to make narrative films do you want to move exclusively into documentaries tell us a bit about your future plans oh absolutely so uh so i've kind of thought about creating uh, I guess just narrative films, but I'm not, I guess it just doesn't interest me enough. Um, cause I, I probably will end up joining the, uh, film fest again or the 72 hour film fest this year. So in that case, then I would be put in a position to make another narrative film. Um, unless I do get, unless I'm lucky and I just pull documentary out of the hat, <laughs> like that. but as for the documentaries, um, there are so many ideas I have. It's driving me crazy. And this is a whole new field that I'm getting very slowly getting used to because it's very difficult because, um, so for instance, something I'm working on right now is there's this rapper. He's a very, uh, he's considered to be like the forefather of genres like trap and crunk and horrorcore. Uh, his name's Tommy Wright the third and a few, years ago he called us because someone uh my friend ordered one of his cassettes and someone like punched the packaging in and they stole it so he <laughs> called us and he was like you know what's what the what's going on and um so in this video it's a video that's not only just me showing off you know our experience with him calling us but it's also been a very hard learning curve because in in the middle like right in the beginning of the video it, it's a basically a little mini documentary about him it's like three i think it's like four minutes long it's very close to four minutes long and it's just me covering all this information about this guy but at the same time it is very hard to find the history about this person in specific and especially the genre of a uh, memphis rap it's like really it's so hard to find a lot of information about uh stuff regarding it and a lot of it's just lost to time or it's just word of mouth kind of thing. So um, 
trying to cite sources or find reliable sources has been very difficult, but I have pretty much wrote a script down that I think cohesively does put everything together. But the other hard part that I'm struggling with right now is the visuals because mm. um, with a documentary, I feel like unless you just have good, um, you know, unless you're going around doing like guerrilla style interviews and things like that, you, it's hard to find a good visual style um, or finding your own visual style is a bit difficult because I know a little bit about motion graphics, but I'm not super savvy with it. Like I know how to animate and do things like that, but I'm trying to just make a cohesive, nice looking, interesting visual style for this uh, middle section. And I think I, I am, uh, the more I mess with it, I have found something that I really like and that I'm doing, but yeah, so it's just been a big learning curve to, to do all this research and to make sure you're not missing one beat because i mean yeah i'm sure there'll be one person that's like oh you got wrong but trying to just find all these like fairly reliable sources has been a big learning curve because once i thought i was done with the script i found out like a bunch of more information from a it was called like a red bull music academy article on him and i found oh, so wow. much information about uh about him from there so then i had to keep adding like a little bit more here and there to uh everything yeah that's really interesting about um scripting your documentaries because like you said so much of of uh, modern independent documentary filmmaking is that guerrilla style yeah so things like uh channel five with andrew callahan yeah yeah exactly and so uh that that's I think you could really set yourself apart there if you make like slick uh scripted documentary uh films and independently because i i really don't see other people doing much of that uh in this sphere no for sure and um oh man it, it's it's a uh, it's just a very time consuming thing that's the other thing i'm realizing really fast is it's very time consuming and a lot of it is because <laughs> A lot of it is just downtime and it's because I'm I don't know what I'm trying to do exactly. Uh, and then a lot of it is just downloading like a bunch of video sources. I think I've spent probably five hours just just downloading really old like concert videos from because um, I mentioned uh, rappers like three six mafia in there and things like that. So just finding like really old footage of them having concerts or um, I think I also mentioned, uh, I think uh, Brother Lynch Hung and then uh, some other artists I mentioned, but there's not a lot of footage on them. So you have to just really dig through YouTube to find something hopefully on them. That's uh, just concert footage or something like that. Yeah. Um, and um, that's sorry. Right. And then uh, there's, because like you said, I have a few other ideas. Um, there's one series I want to start where it's just me replaying games i played as a kid just to see if they're bad because like i feel like when you're a kid you just really don't you just play crap sometimes and you don't actually <laughs> realize if it's good or if it is really good you don't under like you don't have the emotional maturity to understand why it is good so i've played through uh fallout new vegas recently and i've been like writing a little script for that uh here and there or i just voice like my thoughts at the time 
and then I just need to go through them and organize them more and then put them to paper. And then another one is, uh, this one is very interesting too. It's about the history of being able to kill kids in games. It's a very, <laughs> it's like a very interesting topic because at a certain point, it's just straight up, you can't allow that or your game is going to be adults only. And then that hurts the uh sales like tremendously since it's not available to a wider audience um so it's just it's just a very interesting thing going all the way back and looking at you know way like games that allow you to do that um without any restriction pretty much yeah yeah that that uh adults only or is it general uh audiences is uh, very much a thing in in filmmaking as well with like yeah, yeah. if you get that r rating that's really going to cut down on the number of people who are allowed to go see your movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing that I meant to ask you earlier when we were talking about Dawn of the friend, but uh, it slipped my mind. So in my, from my point of view, one of the most important things uh, in horror movies, especially is getting the audience to have strong opinions about your characters, getting them to either like hate them, and root for them to die or love them and root for them to survive. And that's difficult enough in the best of circumstances. Yeah. But when you're making a short film and you have like six minutes to get the audience to care about your characters instead of an hour and a half, uh, I can only imagine that it's much more difficult. So I, I'm curious uh, what techniques you had in mind while making uh, Dawn of the Friend to get the audience invested in the characters uh that's something i i didn't even really think about that honestly because i just kind of hmm i i guess i just kind of i was more focused on trying to make people laugh at the goofy situation that's going on rather than the characters themselves so that's okay. a very hard thing to talk about uh because i just didn't really think about the characters overall um i just thought of what is going to be interesting placing these people in this situation pretty much and then we just pretty much improv everything <laughs> i didn't have a general script but yeah it was just that's okay. it it was just a bunch of improv and a bunch of us just throwing ideas around and just acting in a funny way i mean my friend quentin he did get nominated for best supporting uh role so uh, I guess people really did like him. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, that That's interesting. That actually lines up with an answer that another filmmaker that I interviewed gave, uh, where even though he, it wasn't, it was still scripted or didn't have improv on the set like that. He said that the key to getting the audience to care about the characters is not in the script, it's in the actors. And yeah. so the thing that he does as a director is to just trust the actors, or rather, excuse me, the thing he did as a scriptwriter um, is to just trust the actors to carry the characters and make the audience care about them. And that sounds like pretty much what you were doing. Um, so for my final question, uh, this is something that I'm normally asking people who are like have a have a bit longer careers. You're relatively at the beginning of yours. So I'm curious how your perspective is going to be different. Where do you see the future of independent cinema going? 
And I'm especially curious because you mentioned how uh, machinima, which is a relatively modern art form, like I don't think it's what more than a decade old. Yeah. Um, but it's already sort of fallen out of fashion. And so I'm curious, uh, as somebody who's grown up in the very fast-paced world of online filmmaking, uh, what do you see coming in the future? Uh, I hmm. I guess. I see, I mean, it's already out there. I feel like, especially now more than ever, anyone could make anything. And if it's good, it's going to attract so many people from all over the place, you know, so many random uh, viewers. So I just feel like now more than ever is the time to really put out the stuff you want to make. Like if you have an idea now's the time to put it out there because you're definitely going to get people to watch it. Um, and it's so easy uh, these days. Uh, I say that like an old person. I don't know why. <laughs> I, guess it, I guess it's just because the internet, it, like it's just been changing so fast. Um, and I grew up, I've been like super internet reliant uh, my whole life pretty much. Maybe not reliant, just uh, definitely grew up on it through like most of my life. Um, and uh yeah i i guess that's just i think now is just the, that's it this now's the time more than ever to put your ideas out there and um i can't i don't really know what could be said about films themselves honestly just because you know every everything is rapidly changing and every single day something will pop out that is just super talented and a lot of the time it's just made by one person and it's just it's crazy so I, I i just think it's this is like the best time better probably probably the best time to be an independent filmmaker in the sense of getting people to view what you've created um and uh yeah especially with um and i even like to think about and these are these have more of a budget behind them they're not like super uh, some of my favorite movies to think about, especially since it's Halloween, is like the the uh, VHS movies. I don't know if you've hmm. seen those. Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with them. Yeah, so, but I I love these movies just because it really shows. Um, and again, like the budgets vary, but at the same time, I, some of them have I what seems to be like a relatively low budget, but they make like these incredibly captivating, scary ass little stories and they're just awesome and i feel like if you have enough friends or even if you just have something interesting you want to put out there it's very it's it's not impossible it's definitely not possible it's very possible <laughs> if you would especially nowadays um so yeah uh and uh as for the machinima thing um i don't know it's an interesting thing because there are a lot of people that still are keeping that um art form i guess it's an art form uh, that style of video alive <laughs> uh in the sense of uh, i'm thinking of viewer channels such as um there's one called uh he goes by awesome sauce um i thought it was it was pronounced very weirdly before but he talks about very very specific but interesting things about smash brothers melee and about the technical side of this game and you know what caused this game to be and he just can cover so many different 
minute topics about it in such extensive detail and his editing style is very similar to what um i did for the christmas video where it's just all captured in game with a lot of chroma king and um, a lot of motion graphics work and it's just really really compelling stuff so i don't think i don't think it's necessarily dead it's just it definitely takes a lot of effort and there's more than one way that you can utilize it um than other than just making like funny videos i mean i like making funny videos but for instance like he just makes very informational videos about a game he loves so cool uh yeah so i'm gonna after this video, I'm going to have to ask you for a link to that because just searching for awesome sauce on YouTube finds quite oh, a lot of different oh, oh, people. It's spelled like uh, A-S-U-M-S-U-S, -S -S, I think, something like that. Or awesome, not awesome sauce. Uh, yeah, okay, that that finds it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A-S-U-M-S-A-U-S. -S -S. Yeah, that's him. And uh, yeah, he's he's... He's very, he's a really big inspiration for me when it comes to wanting to keep that kind of style of video alive, especially since a lot of the videos I want to make uh, as of lately that are in my back order, backlist, are uh, having to do with Smash. Uh, for instance, there's one that's just me doing a like a tier list of every single stage in the game and there's a lot there's like 145 wow. um and it's like really long like i did the first take and it was like five hours long <laughs> so that's a lot of editing that has to be done but you know yeah you know you know i still i still still believe i still believe in it i still believe in that kind of video making all right. Uh, well, thank you so much for for coming on and talking about your experiences and your plans for the future. Uh, where can people find your work on the internet? So, the biggest platform, pretty much, I just have is my it's my YouTube channel, and that's just Dirty D with a U instead of an I. And then there is my Instagram, which is Rico Pico, like R E E. K-O period P-E-E-K-O. And then um yeah, then there's my secondary channel, which is that's just where I post um stuff that I've made for clients and stuff like that. And that's just my name, Rico Dulcimer. So that's all the places that you can find me. And um, I guess one more thing I would like to promote uh is there is as for the wake, it's for the wake up film fest, they they're having a meet and greet. Um, and I believe it's going to be in January and you can submit any film you've made to that. It doesn't matter how, I think the time limit is like 20 minutes long and, uh, yeah, just love to see people submit their films there. Cause I'm trying to finish this, um, mini doc slash just us talking to Tommy, right? I'm trying to finish this up and submit that. And then I'm also making a, a, a compilation video. That's just stuff that I think is pretty funny from my channel and just putting it into like 20 minutes and uh, just just for that or i guess i would could submit it to other film fests but it's mostly just for the film fest that would be here locally cool well thank you so much and i'm looking forward to the these upcoming film festivals uh i didn't know they were doing another 72 hour one 
or I assume that's that's what the wake up one's going to be be again or uh, yeah so uh sorry so all I'll basically um they're having an actual just a normal film fest like submit whatever you want and okay. then if you win in your genre that you submit because they have multiple then you'll win entry to the next one which will be uh, I think a couple of months uh probably like two months out of that film fest i believe i'm not entirely perfect or right but uh i mean no one's perfect but <laughs> not entirely right on that but definitely check that out if you're interested cool yeah uh and i will find the links to that and include them when this episode goes live thank you no no problem absolutely thank you for having me on this was fun <laughs> <laughs> Good.